Hello everyone, I'm Brett Bradigan, editor of Ojai's Magazine, The Quarterly and Monthly. This episode, we go deep into Ojai's roots with Emily Thatcher Ayala, operator of Friends Ranch, which has been in existence in one form or another since the 1870s. Emily herself is a fifth-generation Ojai farmer. Now that it's Ojai Pixie Tangerine Month, it was fitting to talk about Ojai's signature fruit, but we talked about a lot, lot more. Please enjoy. Hey, Emily. Thanks for joining me. You're welcome. Good morning. Yeah, it's good to get you back in here and do this properly this time. Yes, not over <laughs> the phone. Yeah. So, first question, or not question, but uh, observation is tomorrow is April 1st, which this year is Ohio Pixie Tangerine Month. Is that right? It's April Fool's Day, just like every year. <laughs> um but yes, it is the beginning of April of uh, Pixie Tangerine Month here in Ojai, and we will be hanging the banners in the arcade, and we get to have them there all month, um, because there is no tennis tournament this year, sadly, yeah. because of COVID. So. Yeah, that is sad. It's like uh, one of those rights of uh, the calendar in Ojai is the tennis tournament. And usually the last rain happens during the tennis tournament, Isn't right? That true? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully we'll get more rain this year. Now, before we go into that area, which is one I'm really keen to get your take on, just Pixie Tangerine Month. What is that going to look like this year? As far as the, I know everybody's doing something different. Like Whitney Hartman at Oh Hi Baby has her really adorable little cart full of pixies out there for everybody and but it's hard to do the kind of in-person uh, back of the arcade events that they've done in years past yeah and as pixie growers we're sad that we're not able to do the pixie giveaway at the schools like we normally do where the kids are just all clamoring into a bin and taking pixies home to their families and yeah um i'm not sure what what the uh what the merchants are going to be doing, but I've heard, you know, people working on different cocktails at the bars, and um, the Blue Iguana is doing a Pixie Month deal in their hotel. Um, mm. Yeah, and I, I suspect the inn is up to something, although they've been sort of having a slow, quiet opening over there, and um, yeah. we're not sure uh, what they're up to, so... Well, I'll check. I know they have this residency from the Meadowbrook, which is the Napa Valley, one of the finest destination hotels in the world. And they brought a lot of that team down to the new farmhouse, and they're doing these special, like, prefix dinners. Oh, okay. $495 a head. Oh, geez. (laughs) And I know that they had... uh one of the gin companies down and they already did a pixology drink making class which when i first went to it when they first did it with sam who runs the vine now um that who's uh, also the bartender at the ohio valley inn yes but he doesn't do all of the pixology classes anymore he's um you know he's he's got his own thing going um yeah him and his uh, new new newlywed his new new bride uh, amber they keep themselves very busy yes they do and i remember the beginning of last pixie 
season. They were the last people I knew that traveled. They went off to uh, on their honeymoon right at the beginning of the shutdown, which was brave of them. Yeah, well, I, I, they would have had to postpone it quite a while otherwise. Yes. So um, you're a Emily Thatcher Ayala, and uh, that name comes up. Well, not, you're like the confluence of the two big lineages in Ohio. You've got the friend lineage, which goes back to the 1880s or something. And you, you live on the old friend homestead, is that right? Not the original homestead. That's around the corner at my cousin Robert's place. Um, but uh, yes, my great-great-grandmother came to the Ojai Valley um, in the 1870s and purchased the piece of property just to the east of San Antonio School, which is still farmed by my cousin Robert. And that's where the original homestead house is, which has been rebuilt. And I live around the corner in my grandfather Elmer's house that he built in the 50s. And, uh, yeah, can't get away from this valley and definitely know several pieces of land quite quite well, um, which is... And the, and the packet house, which your grandfather built as well. Do you spend most of your days there, I understand? I feel like I live there right now. So my yeah. husband's starting to complain that he feels like he should have a cot there to sleep at night. And, <laughs> um, during does uh, Tony get involved with the... With the uh, does your husband get involved with a lot of the... Certainly, yes. Yeah. He's, he's thick in it. He didn't know he was retiring from firefighting to become a farmer, but he has... Oh, wait Definitely. a minute. He, when he's getting with you, he knew that was going to happen. Well, I think so. <laughs> anyway, um, he blames it all on the orange juice. He came along to the packing house and tasted the orange juice and fell in love with, with that. the he juice and me. to stay as close to so, it as he could, so he's yep. got a pretext. That's so, great. Yeah, he goes down to the Santa Monica Farmer's Market every Wednesday, and he's got quite a following of people down there. Um, and he, he hates missing a Wednesday market, so... Just yeah. as I what hate that, what, Now, you do um, the Sunday farmer's market here in Ojai. Your father does the Saturday in Hollywood? My dad has stopped going to markets um, pretty much. Um, it's just his body won't let him do it anymore. Um, and we cut back on markets during COVID. We're not going to as many. We're not doing the Hollywood as much. We might jump in and do it again but for now we're not doing it it's just too hard to find people to work on sundays and we do a saturday santa barbara market and the ojai sunday market and that that takes up a lot of our time so yeah what's uh what is that you know the farmers markets were so uh you know when we went into shutdown there was all this concern about you know the health like people didn't you know they talk about the the health measures uh public health measures, the masks and like we're wearing and the, and the hand washing and sanitation. But they never really spoke about the part about building up your immune system and your resistance and your ability to fight off uh, infections and so forth. And I know that's, a, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables is a key in, ingredient of that. Yes. So it was like, what, six weeks or a couple months, you know, maybe like the middle of April or something before they started yeah, the, opening back up. The... Santa Monica Farmer's Market only was closed, I think, for two weeks. And I think Ojai was only closed for three weeks, maybe just two. I can't remember. The state quickly came out with guidelines for the Farmer's Market. Um, 
the biggest change was spacing in between the, the individual farmers. You know, we've got a big table in front of us, between us and the public, so, you know, we're not right next to the public. Um, and a lot of us are used to doing, we used to do a lot of sampling at farmer's markets, and so we had wash stations and hand sanitizers and bleach bottles and all that stuff we already had, so... Uh-huh. We just started, I started doing a, I would set my phone on a timer and every 20 minutes wash my hands. Oh, which, uh, I don't know. I don't know of anyone at the farmer's market who got sick. There, um, so, wait, there yeah, that yeah. we know about. And that's like, how many people don't know Ohio's farmer's market's quite a, quite a scene. Yes. There's like so many people. It's a huge part of it. It's amazing the diversity of people that buy the bulk of their food at the farmer's market. You've got all walks of life. Um, and that's true at any farmer's market. You've got a lot of the immigrant populations that are used to eating from um, fresh markets. And uh, you've got the fancy, fancy people that are getting their, you know, um, tenderest beans on the planet, best tangerines, flowers, uh, some of the specialty yeah. items. You can... You can- I, I can't get out of there usually for less. If I can keep under 60 bucks from a farmer's market visit, I feel pretty good about yeah. that. But I always tell people, the reason you pay attention to the money at the farmer's market is because it's mostly cash. But you go to Vons or Trader yeah. Joe's and you throw down your credit card and you don't, you don't, you're really, not counting no. the money and holding the money. So, not in the same I mean, way, you yeah. probably spend 120 at Trader Joe's and then you say, oh, I spent 60 at the well, farmer's only market. Only because I'm, I like to drink. So there you that's go. Where, that's where the, you can't buy liquor at uh, the farmer's market. Not yet. Anyway. Not yet. There have been discussions. I mean, there's some markets that allow wine, um, but the market has to get a liquor license. Yeah, there's and a couple then, of uh, distillers in Ventura County that are doing good. The Ventura Spirits. Yes, excellent stuff. And uh, also Andy Holguin at Old Creek Ranch. He wants to get a distillery, but he's had some. Oh, okay. Some obstacles from the county and so forth to getting that in the, you know, that wonderful yeah. facility has there. Well, but, the other uh, the other know. joke that we've joked about when California legalized cannabis is when is that going to be sold at farmers markets? But well, there's quite yeah. a bit of it smoked at farmers markets, there, according to my nose. There is. My nose is quite a detective when it comes to that yeah. peculiar aroma. But we should. Uh, you know, the farmer's market is a place for families and children, and I really think it needs to be focused on fresh fruits and vegetables. And, and baked goods. and uh, Yes. And uh, grass-fed beefs and uh, seafood. Things and, that farmers yeah. grow and harvest and process. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, what uh, now you, pretty much your whole family's in the business, but all of you, including both of your parents and your brother and everybody else, has gone out into the world and then come back. It's, so what is that, what is the draw, what is the irresistible lure of working so hard on such, such a, uh, you know, speculative basis about things that are so far outside of your control, the rain and the, and the, uh, everything that goes into that the fires and everything else it's just like well it's a a sense of place and history it is nice to live in the same town as your entire family especially during a quarantine um we've all gotten to see each other um we're not eating together as much um but it's a 
sense of place and history and anyone that's grown up on the land that their ancestors have farmed or taken care of feels that sense of history. Well, not me so much because I grew up on a farm that was like uh, four or five generations and there's still some of my cousins back at it. I, I don't really understand why, especially yeah. in western New York and foothills of the Alleghenies where it snows 220 inches a year. Well, it doesn't snow in Ohio. I mean, who would want to live anywhere else? I mean, that's well, a big part of it. I didn't. Yeah, I've had, I've had my opportunities, and I'm, I'm yeah. not going anywhere. Well, I I've lived in various places, including Central America and Oregon, and you know, beautiful places um, with mountains and outdoor spaces. But the draw of Ohio to me is, you know, I I love. I love what I grow and sell. Um, if I was an onion farmer, things might be a little different. Um, but being able to eat off of the trees year-round is, is a draw. But also, so are the mountains here and the people and the schools for our children. And Yeah, and you're a product of family. our schools. What, tell us about yes. that. Like, what was the... Well, my favorite school in the world is Monica Ross School. Um, but that I think comes with the with the time of when I was there. You don't have as much responsibility, and you are learning by playing, which is awfully great. Um, then I went on to Topa Topa and um, Ohio Valley School for junior high, and then Thatcher School. Um, I did not finish at Thatcher School. I finished at Midland School in the San Ynez, where I also have... Oh, yeah. There's a lot of Ojai people that have gone there. Yeah, it's a wonderful school. Um, and some but cousins... A friend of... of mine burnt down one of the buildings. I know who that was. That was we won't, we won't mention Jesse's name. No, no. But his initials are uh, Jesse Phelps. He's a, he's a splendid human being, and I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure there was a lot of revel, high school revelry going on that weekend, and... Pointing fingers. Anyway, ancient history. <laughs> um, again, April Fools is coming up, so I hope those uh, teenagers Kids out there are probably behaving. plotting something right now. Oh, my nephew was was at Upper Campus Ohio Valley School was talking about things that I shall not mention. Um, <laughs> but again, learning by playing it's an important thing, and uh, the Ohio Valley is definitely gives you a, a place to play. The great outdoors. Yeah. Well, um, I forget the quote, but something like, people don't stop playing because they grow old. They grow old because they stop playing. There you go. Yeah. Yes. That's sort of the, the threshold. Yeah. You, got, you have to enjoy what you do. I mean, that's the biggest thing I tell teenagers now that I feel like I'm getting older is if you can't find something you love to do, or if you don't love what you're doing, find a different career. Um you should enjoy going to work every day, and I feel lucky that I do. I um, There are days when I'm filling out paperwork that I can't stand it, but uh, someone recently asked me what, what I would do, you know, what's my favorite job on the farm, and I said trapping gophers, because <laughs> that means that I have time enough to go dig around in the dirt and be outside and get under the trees, and um, I do enjoy yeah. trapping gophers. What about chasing off bears? Do you ever have to do that? Oh yeah, we have bears. If um, during a this drought, bears and gophers. I imagine you don't can't use the same yeah. approach. No, <laughs> big dogs. Um, I do have chickens at home, and we're the only chicken coop in 
I think a mile radius around us that didn't get flattened a few summers ago by this big male bear that was hanging around. And uh, I attribute it all to having two large dogs. Um, a bear will not mess with two dogs. Yeah, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't feel like it's a uh, good use of his time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, I miss the bears. We, um, that was a, when I was grow when I was a kid, it was like a big, you know, Sunday drive. We'd go to the dump and watch the bears when they come out of hibernation and going through the garbage and everything. It was just, yeah, they're around. There's a bear, bear around the East End. Um, and we know they're around because they, they eat avocados and leave guacamole piles. <laughs> um, but they also, they really like the really overripe oranges that fall to the ground, they just flatten them out and leave a flat peel. And uh, I, I've seen a, that happening with the navels mm. that have fallen off the trees. Some bears get into them. So. But they don't, they don't go pawing through the trees like they will with the avocados. They just forage off the, off the ground. They like the citrus when it's really overripe, you know, yeah. ones that got left on the tree and then fell Maybe to the slightly, ground. slightly... Uh, what do you call that uh, with the alcohol when they ferment? Right, slightly fermented, fermented pixies. Yeah. So, because they can't drink wilder gin, they have to go for the That's fermented right. fruit. Yeah. So, um, I was at Farmer's Market what, a couple weeks ago. I saw Jim Churchill, and he was kind of, I don't want to get him in trouble, but he gave me some of these limes that were just unbelievable how sweet they were. And I believe that's because they had fallen. You can't sell things that fall off the tree. I understand. Yeah, you're not supposed to. There are certain varieties that'll fall, like the late season limes um, are delicious. Oh my goodness, I could not believe and, that you could just eat a lime like you would a tangerine or another citrus and that it had well, so it sweetened. It might have been a different it was variety. A puckery. Oh, okay. But they were yellow, they weren't they weren't. But I thought yeah. that was because of their age or their The yellowness has to do with the temperature. So limes are, a ripe lime in Ojai is always yellow. Um, most limes are grown down in Mexico because they like the cool, they like the uh, humidity and they grow really well on the coast. I mean, you shouldn't really try to grow limes in the Ojai Valley. It gets too hot here. Um, so if you live in Ventura, you should grow a lime tree and share it with your friends in Ojai. Uh, but yeah, if it drops below 50 degrees at night, the limes will turn yellow. And that's what causes fruit to turn color is the evening temperatures in the wintertime. And the tree pulls all that chlorophyll back in and stores it in the roots in the wintertime. And that's when you see the orange color pop out. The orange pigment is there underneath the green. It's just, uh, it's gets just revealed as the chlorophyll gets yes. drawn back into the phloem and loam, or what do they call the capillary system? Flo xylem and phloem. Xylem and phloem, yeah. Yes. That's like so, fourth grade biology or something, the botany. That yeah. most people forget. But yeah. it's the same thing in, in the fall when your leaves are turning color. Not that we have a huge fall turning like cold places, but uh, it's the same thing. The tree's pulling the chlorophyll back into itself and usually storing it down into the roots. And, um, you know, that's, that's energy that the tree needs to grow in the springtime. And citrus trees do the same thing. They pull the chlorophyll out of the, out of the uh, fruits, turn it into storable sugars in, in the rest of the tree for when the spring comes along and they need to grow new flowers and, and leaves like they are right now. Yeah. The trees are now, um, bright green. 
for people not from Ojai, one of the best sensations of living in Ojai is that smell of those orange blossoms. It's just unbelievable. Like in the mornings, you get that mix of different citrus blossoms going off. And then in the evening, as it gets warmer, the sage smell starts to come in. It's almost like a evergreen smell. And I'm telling you, it's the sweetest smell and place on earth. It is amazing, yes. And living in the orchard, I have to leave, you know, go down to one of the L.A. markets or go to Ventura for half a day, and then I come back and I can smell it. Oh, this is what people are talking about. Yeah, one one lady perfect. came in the packing house just yesterday and said, you should pay people to get out. People should pay you to get out of their car here. I thought, <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe I should charge it five bucks a car and you can get out of your car and smell my orchard. Yeah, um, have a uh, aromatherapy tour. Yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty special. And it is, it's early morning when the sun's coming up. Um, I, I'm a morning person. I love the morning. Um, there aren't many people out. But if, if you do get up early, you should take a drive with your cup of coffee out to the east end and just go for a walk. Six o'clock in the morning, it's it's beautiful. You might see a coyote or um, a fox, a fox op- waking up, but the smell is amazing. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure exactly. What, now, what was the crop like this year? Like, what, what is the crop report? Oh, this year has been crazy. Uh, we had a big windstorm December 7th. Well, we've had several, haven't we? We've it's had several, but that that one in early December was ridiculous. It was not the one where they turned off the power. It was the one before that where it was a cool day, and then, you know, 7 o'clock in the evening rolled around, and this hot wind like a blow dryer started up, north wind coming down out of the canyons, and it just... Blew, it blew all the leaves off the top of the citrus trees, which is very unusual, and just whipped all the navels and blood oranges and Valencias into a which frenzy. Were, which were vulnerable because it's been so dry, and then yeah. the hot wind comes up, it dries it out even more. Oh, yeah. So it, it just makes everything so vulnerable. It basically destroyed 50% of the crop overnight. It oh, was crazy. I, nobody had ever seen anything like it. Now, just in Ohio, or were there other like uh, it was air, pretty growers much, areas? It was pretty much just in Ohio because I called the crop insurance agent the next day, and she kind of said, "Oh yeah, well, whatever." I mean, this is after. Oh, <laughs> so she wasn't like freaking out, like this. Is no, like- and then finally they sent a sent an adjuster a guy down from Fresno. That's where the crop insurance is based. And he was, oh, yeah, sure enough, all the trees are missing all their leaves on the north side, and the fruit is, you know, it's it basically turned the Valencias, which are not going to be ripe till summer, into, like, I call them lacrosse balls. They are so hard. You can barely smash them by running them over with a car. It's amazing. Wow. It did make me think I should start building trebuchets for all the bored children in Ohio, but then I thought, eh. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be an funny. insurance nightmare of its own. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't know, that's uh, plant like uh, you you told me a funny story about the pixie tangerine contest, Logan contest, and uh, what the winners neat, sweet, and easy. Oh, no, it's probably sweet, honest. petite, and great to eat. It's yeah. on our pixie bumper sticker. 
But one of the, there was a lot of submissions, I, I believe I submitted as well. This is like 15 years ago or something. Yeah, right around Maybe then. even more. And then uh, one of the runners-up was, uh, what was oh, the kid's Oh, hi, Pixies. Too good to throw at cars. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, well, it's better they throw the Pixies than throw those little, uh, those, those uh, dried, dried up, shriveled up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that that night of wind is going to affect us all the way into 2022 because the trees that got so wind blasted on the north side, they're not going to have the energy to flower mm -hmm. and fruit mm -hmm. right now, which is going to be the 2022 crop of Valencia's. So it's like two so years. A couple of, of years uh, of damage. Now, does that, is there, like, how does the, I'm curious about just the infrastructure of, farming in Ojai because you know it's we don't for people that don't know there's a lot of uh federal water projects in like the great central valley that basically provide the growers with water for free i mean they yep. pay for the, like the upkeep and the maintenance of the canals and delivery the infrastructure but the water itself if they do pay anything it's like 40 dollars an acre foot or something and what is it here it's like Four hundred dollars an acre. Foot. Yeah, it depends on what you're doing, how much you have to move it around. People don't realize even the water from a well, you're paying pumping charges. Your electric bill in the summertime will be yeah, really in the high. thousands of dollars. Um, and then if your well goes out when it's hot, then you're you know every every time a well goes out, you're looking at fifteen thousand dollars just to start because you got to pull everything out of the well and you know maybe buy a new pump or maybe rewire something or get who knows what? Yeah. Um, it is expensive. It's, but it doesn't necessarily. I, I don't understand how how Ojai growers can possibly compete with like Bakersfield, Fresno places Ooh. where they're, we you know, the water is so. We can't. Know. It's getting really. The margins of farming in Ojai are very slim right now. And I actually, I had a man come up to the packing house a couple of days ago, and he said, will you pick my Valencia oranges? And I said, no, I can't, because um, of the federal food safety law called FISMA, um, Food Safety and Modernization Act that was put into law after the people, several people died from a E. coli outbreak on spinach. That's affected all oh, of yeah. us with this new law. Um, and it basically anyone with less than you know, five, seven acres of citrus in the Ojai Valley is losing money and has oh, been losing five, money. Five, seven acres, is that kind of the threshold That's for volume of, to start making it up? Yeah, and there are a lot of, you know, all the farms in the Ojai Valley are family-owned. There's no yeah. corporate farming where that's some kind of um, subsidized tax write-off deal that some company's looking for, um, whereas in the rest of California, a lot of the farmland is owned by kind of a bizarre group of, yeah, you know, insurance know some, companies and, and speculators. Uh, pension funds and people you would never expect. Yeah. yeah and it's, yeah, it's, it's all a part of a portfolio you know, a, a, of, a, you know a, a aggregate of uh, holdings and stuff. And a lot of those people on those corporate boards or whatever, they don't even know. No. But what they have. Yeah. It's keeping, keeping your portfolio diverse and. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but they don't have an intimate relationship with the land and the neighbors and the people. Yeah. Um, here, you know, historically, Ojai, we've all 
been very neighborly and farms have gotten along with um, people next door and we've worked together during disasters, you know, fires, floods, um, what have you. Now it seems more and more people are, you know, wanting to live in the Ojai Valley to have their private compound and this neighborliness of getting along or working together on an issue or, you know, like we had a bear that was marauding the chicken coops in the East End. There were a couple neighbors that I tried to talk to, and they they didn't want to hear from me about my bear problem. I thought, well, It'll and be then your bear two problem. days later, it was their bear problem. And First, I the bear came for <laughs> came for my neighbors, and then I said, I don't care because it's not my problem. And then bear came, and then then bear came for me, and there was nobody left to speak up for me. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's. It's crazy. It is. It's a very small town. If if you're living here, or moving here, you you better know who your neighbors are and get along. You yeah. know. You well, part of the reason that's exactly why so many people move here. That's a big part of the draws. That just the community, the sense of community, and yeah. not just you know. There's not to make too vivid a comparison, but you've got Montecito with all the walls going up and the gated yep. compounds and. Oh, there's walls going up in the east end of Ohio. I know. I, I, I feel have. like we're have we got to stay vigilant on yeah on those things, and I think it's part of it's just making people feel welcome and and uh, you know like they they can get out there and and find that sense of community, find their their people, their tribe. Yeah, and we're a small enough town. I mean, you do. I I remember going back to 2005 when we had those big rains and we got cut off. Um, I think it was for three days. The thirty-three and the one fifty yeah, were closed. And well, both. I think the one fifty was closed for several months. Yeah, and you know, if if you're stuck somewhere and the waters are rising, you better get along with your neighbors. You might need to share something—a a yeah. piece of equipment, or maybe have them take care of your animals if you need to leave, or get the kids together to play to distract each other from the. Yeah, there's you know, that's a. The, the whole, that's uh, the all of it. Yeah. There's a great book uh, I'm trying to remember now, Rebecca Solnit. Um, and it was a collection of essays or something, but she was writing about the people of San Francisco after the earthquake of 1906 mm-hmm. and how there was this sense of unity in the midst of this great tragedy where this sense that, oh, my goodness, we're all in it together. And somebody was saying, you know, that they, you know, aside from all the human cost of the tragedy, that sense of warm, warmth and neighborliness and cooperation was so inspiring that they almost wished, you know, it wouldn't go. That Of course, it fades yeah. away relatively soon. I feel like uh, the Thomas fire was sort of that moment for Ojai in 2017. Definitely, yeah. The whole town got scorched. Well, it could have been much, much worse. One of the things, um, I'm sorry you were about to say, I was just going to say the green belt. Let's talk about the green belt, but finish finish your thoughts. Yeah, I I think the fire was a great unifying factor, um, especially for, you know, communities like the Upper Ojai. Trevor Cork really brought people together to get things rebuilt and work together with the county to get permits and what have you, things back together. Yeah, Um, mutual aid. Mutual aid. Same thing with, you know, water lines. Farmers work together 
after the fire, um, sharing equipment, bulldozers, um, getting water lines fixed again, getting the infrastructure back up and running. One of my favorite moments about when I moved back here it was it was it was raining pretty hard, and um, when you live down on the flats and it really starts to pour up above you, or if you've got a river near you, you you keep an eyeball on the river. And I remember. Um, driving around and we went up to the bridge up across uh, Horn Canyon up off of McAndrew and f at first daylight Chris Hilgers was up there he's a great bulldozer operator passed away a couple of years ago yeah and he was looking him. at the river and had his binoculars out and it was pouring rain and uh, you know he was looking at money because that's how he made his living but he also wanted to make sure the creeks were f flowing and not backing up, you know, you can get an oak tree or a sycamore falling over a river and it causes a dam. It could take out five or six houses. Yeah, when that, and, when that burst, yeah, just like Montecito had all the yeah. denuded hillsides. And then when they got that yeah. torrent, it just, you know, 22 people got, yeah. got died. It and was terrible. Chris wasn't getting paid by the county or anybody to be up there doing that. He was doing it because he loves this. he loved this valley. Yeah, and having people like that in our community is so important, and you can't put enough emphasis on that. And Chris would have gone in there without permits, without you know county state, and doing, state, and do, doing yeah. what he had to do to save yeah. people's homes that he doesn't even know. Yeah, you know we need those people, and more and well, more I feel, I feel like, like they're uh, moving away. Although Chris's uh, children are still here and carrying on yes. very much in the in the business. Yeah. Yes, you should. Always and, uh, stay Melanie. friends with uh, someone who knows operators. how to fix pipes and somebody who knows how to put out fires and somebody who knows how to drive a bulldozer. Yeah, Keep those friends close. <laughs> Share your pixies with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, one of the other things about community life um, is, I don't know if you see that. that oh, yeah. There, is... Uh, the people don't know, we had uh, three or four years ago. In fact, I've got a, another little poster board over here. I'm waiting to get signed. So, um, you know, uh, we had a cover drawn by the great Sergio Aragones of Mad Magazine fame. And Sergio wanted to do like a little contest in there. So he put a bunch of little pixie tangerines on the cover. And to win the contest, you had to guess the, the right number. And it was pretty a lot. Or it was pixie tangerines and birds and something else. There were like three items that you had to number. And we must have had 250 submissions or something. And it took Sergio and I like three or four times each to sit down there and count, 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 count. Because he didn't, you know, he's drawing these things. He's not like, oh, I got to put in, you know, the 39th or whatever. It's just. Yeah. So um, I was surprised how many people didn't get it like the numbers were seemed to be all over the place and i'm like why it seems like it should be pretty pretty easy but you know it took us four or five times going through it between the two of us to get a consistent count but your son who was at the time was only 11 or 12 i think he was 11 11 yeah. years old he was one of the went far and away our youngest winner yeah oh he oliver met sergio probably when he was six at a rotary function sergio was drawing and sergio was great with children he oh just would get down yeah. and 
start talking to him and drawing and and of course my son loves Calvin and Hobbes and uh who the far side um those are some of us standard standby books um we have around our house and now you know we have Sergio's tome as well um and well, so Gru, grew the wanderers got quite the cult following now yes. it's like these these it's kind of an antidote to the superhero genre here's a sort of a superhero who's sort of an idiot but other people around him can be even more of an idiot so it makes him look a little smarter it's very interesting yeah. grew the wanderer but you know mad magazine for 60 years or whatever that he drew for and how many generations he's inspired and like if i you would have told me oh you know my 12 year old self one day you're going to get the you know have a cup of coffee with sergio aragones and get to know him and and he'll his art will adorn the cover of your magazine i would have not been able to oh, even yeah. wrap my mind around that yeah oh he's such a great guy i i like to say he's a he's a 10 year old dressed up in an 80 year old's body um, yeah, he's just right. got a great vision of the world and we also the pixie growers worked with him to make a lunchbox that we've sold oh, out yeah. of now but um, yeah, that's a collector's item. I, I bet you'll find those on eBay for $170 or something. Yeah, I had a lot of fun working with Sergio on that project. And I yeah. took him over to the big Sunkissed packing house, which was pretty funny, because Sergio is an architect by training. Um, and he, uh, the packing house is, you know, a giant building that was built in the 50s, I think. And he was taking, looking at the ceiling and drawing little sketches. And, you know, of course, oranges flying everywhere very sergio style yeah. um i just a lot of movement i love yeah. watching him watch what's going on in the world because he's uh he's got that glint in his eye of silliness which is just wonderful so yeah it was so fun that we you know presented oliver with his poster signed poster from sergio in person at the farmer's market the yeah fa we hunted him down at the farmer's market and Yep. I don't think he even knew, like, is this real? Is this, like, really happening? Like, what is this? Like, you yep. and he's got it framed in, in his room. It's it's one of his prized possessions. So Yeah, that was really fun for Sergio, I can tell you that. Oh. So speaking of, like, Ojai and, the, you know, the getting famous and everything, I saw that Bon Appetit article here recently, like a month ago, in which Friends Ranch yourself were featured prominently what what was is i mean does that oh my uh, goodness so going back to uh last december december 2020 um the wall street journal actually did a piece on 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 mail order citrus and they listed friends ranch and there was there's some connection with uh the writer i think she went to thatcher school um she has a connection with Ojai Valley, and so she loves Ojai Citrus, and she did a wonderful piece on mail-order citrus, and um, it just made our mail-order go nuts. I mean, we didn't need extra extra orders, but our, our, uh, our mail-order has become increasingly popular during COVID, um, and it has really kept our business alive during this time, and so we're yeah, super grateful. It's like a boon, almost. Yeah, and then Bon Appetit picked it up as well and I um so yeah Ojai Citrus you know via mail or come visit Ojai um I talked to someone recently from Santa Barbara who said oh yeah Ojai 
people go there in the spring to eat fruit. And I thought, is that what we're known for? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, we also have schools and tennis tournaments and art festivals and music mm-hmm. festivals. So it was pretty funny. I guess Ojai springtime is now synonymous with Ojai Pixies, which I'm not yeah, complaining about. Not complaining, so no. we're, uh, we're pretty excited. And I, I always try to tell teenage kids, I'm like, someday you're going to miss these Ojai Pixies and you're going to be living... Who New knows York where City going to school somewhere. in New York or be off working somewhere and you're going to think, oh, I remember those days where I used to eat pixies by the pound. So then you, their parents will send them a care package. They should, a, yeah. On a mailing list. Yep. So um, what was that like, those first few days of the pandemic and the lockdown when you couldn't go to the farmer's markets? Was there a moment like, oh, man, I picked a bad day to stop sniffing glue? It was, it was just a nightmare. Um, you know, farmers are fairly resilient to things going on. When we have downturns in the economy, farms tend to do okay because people need to eat. So all of a sudden, we're two weeks into a great pixie season, and we had har- we were harvesting like mad, and all of a sudden. You know, all the picking crews had to stay six feet apart from each other. Oh, man. We didn't know what to do. Um, I I thought I was going to kill my parents. That you know, that's like the, was the you mean theme with COVID. With COVID, like, oh, no, oh my God, we can't get no, we can't get anywhere near my parents because they're going to die. So I'm I'm glad that we've all survived and they're fully vaccinated. And um, anyway, it's just that complete paranoia of being around people and i work with a lot of people most people that i work with are older than i am um and working with my parents and you know at the same time what do we do with the kids oh my that whole online schooling thing just about did me and i'm not a stay-at-home mother and what uh school is oliver at we're at Ohio Valley School. And you're on the board, right? Are you on the board? No, no I was on the, on the board, board of Monocross, yeah. but I'm not anymore. Um, but, yeah, all, the schools have done a fabulous job. I mean, gosh, hats off. I, I think 2020, you know, should be the known as the age of the nurses and teachers. because And the, gro- and the grocery store clerks. And, and the grocery store clerks oh, and man. the farmers and the bus drivers. and I mean, yeah, the list goes on and on. But for... Yeah. For teachers to be pulled away from what they love, which is knowing children and young minds and old minds for older teachers, um, it, it was just heartbreaking. And trying to do stuff online, especially with the younger kids, that was just so hard on teachers. Well, it was difficult on both ends because a lot of the teachers don't have the technical sophistication to oh, easily yeah. transition to virtual learning. And yeah. also, like, how do you adapt so much of the curriculum, especially, like, science curriculum oh, that involves yeah. a lot of lab work and field work and such? Yeah, and just the individual training. But anyway, I like our, it, our schools have done, uh, come through. They yeah. definitely figured it out. Definitely. And now, mostly back in person, and now I heard something about one of the vaccines is especially effective for kids 12 to 18 or something, and they hope to have everyone, I think it's... I think it was Pfizer. Pfizer. They're working yeah. on it. Yeah. And that if they can get everybody 
That should be the, that'll be the last of it. I feel like those classrooms yeah. are like the one place that you kind of got to worry about being vectors and re you know, yes. have another, another way. So yeah, if we can inoculate those, those kids of that yeah. age. Yeah. And yeah. then they can start hanging out together and doing all this stuff. Yes. It was fun to see a bunch of the football players, the Nordoff Rangers with their very strange season that they've managed to put together. Thank goodness. They're all, you know, the, pre-game rituals to go eat at Bonnie Lou's. Yeah. And it was just crowds of them there with their uniforms on. And it started to feel like, you know, except for the mass, it was like, oh, this is This is, this is getting it, back man. to We're normal. Getting, getting, it, getting yeah. it going again. Yeah. yeah. Well, we didn't, we didn't, I mean, as farmers, we didn't have to change a whole lot of what we did. We had to stay apart from each other. And luckily at Friends Ranches, we've got three different couples working so we just worked as couples. Um, so you had your, so we your had work our little pods. Work pods. And uh, we had, you know, we have lots of sanitation stuff anyhow. Gloves. We had masks. Um, we, we were prepared for something we didn't know was coming. And uh, nobody's gotten COVID at Friends Ranches, which um, I was amazed. But, you know, we did, we were strict about it. Um and then the the harvesting and pruning crews that we use, um, they they did. There was quite a bit of COVID going around with them, especially last summer. Um, a lot of them live in tight communities and yeah. uh, share meals. And you know, a lot the of sharing them work of in these necessary jobs, and healthcare, yeah. and all those other areas where yeah. they can't. You know, they can't. There's no. They can't afford to be socially no. distanced and that they, way, and multiple generations under one household. And they all carpool together to work. Um, yeah. But luckily, um, most of the picking crew, the pixie picking crew, they, everyone's had their first shot. A lot of people have had their second shot, so we're on our way to... Yeah, um, I got my first shot. I'll have my second one on April 21st, and I, I yeah. already feel better, like... Oh, it yeah. confers anywhere 50 to 65% immunity on that yeah. Moderna shot, which yeah. that's a much... You're not going to die. I mean, yeah, well, yeah. Also, I mean, yeah, not only the, you know, uh, lessens the symptoms, it just lessens the transmission as well. Yes. So just, you know, get your yep. vaccines, people. You can worry about whatever you want to worry about at some other time. But now this is a public health emergency, and a lot of people's lives are really at stake here and we owe it to each other that's part of being in the community yeah and we owe it to our kids i mean now we have this where a lot of the older people are vaccinated but what if what if kids start getting sick we need to we need to think about the children yeah and some of these variants do create much greater um, health risks for younger people yeah yeah so it's not like it's just you know like i know there was all this talk about the vaccine taken out you know, oh, they were counting everybody who died of anything as a COVID death and so forth. That wasn't that's, really the case. That's and it's true. like to say that, oh, somebody was, you know, they had all these comorbidities and they were going to die anyway. Well, that's, that's not for you to, to say. That's not for you to say, oh, well, you're going to die anyway. So, you know. Yeah. No, you it's. Know, it's bit of a do. No. It's terrible. No, I, I mean, working at farmer's markets, again, we see the whole swath of of all communities the tapestry of humanity from santa monica to santa barbara to ojai and there's all types out there and i've heard every conspiracy theory under the sun um but viruses exist i've had people tell me that they don't exist 
Um, I have actually seen one under an electron microscope because I studied biology. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a scary thing. Wear your mask. Um, yeah, keep keep on keeping on. Let's, let's get through this together. So. Yeah, well, the next thing we got to get through is this drought. Aren't we at like 25% oh, or 20? It's that's terrible. terrible. We've had three rainstorms. And, and that, only one of them that really amounted to much. And all of them were followed by wind events. It which basically wiped out all the gains yeah, and just dry it right back so out again. So frustrating. So while we've been in drought, we have not been out of drought for, I don't know, a dozen years. Now, um, we did have one decent rain year a couple of years ago, but it was it was a normal. one among many. You just got to take, doesn't it take like two or three years above normal to really officially declare a drought over? Yeah, and it depends on the groundwater and the, and the lake levels. Yeah, there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of factors. Um, yeah, last year, 2020, when the shutdown happened, it was pretty cool because it started to rain, and it rained like every week. During that, during March and into April, and it was just if it hadn't been raining, I would have gone nuts. The rain really saved my headspace. Yeah. yeah, and it made Ojai so pretty. I mean, it was just beautiful. Um, and of course, the plants and animals. Um, people worry about the lake level. The lake level. Well, it's not. It's not just about you and the lake level and how many times you get to wash your clothes. It's about the whole system. And, you know, the insects and the plants and the seeds in the soil, um, it's the whole shebang. And we are still recovering from the Thomas fire. And, um, you know, we do need some rain to get, get the hills back to what they were. Yeah, um, I hate we to need... see them drying out already when we oh. just got green. You know, I always thought it would be a fun contest. Because there's got to be a moment where you can measure, you know, the refraction of light to say this is the the peak green peak green every year there's a day you know how they have in alaska they'll have contests for ice out like oh you guess the day that the ice breaks up on the river what's the the peak green green? what day is it going to be as green as it's going to get i think it depends on the angle of the sun as well i mean a couple days ago i was looking at a sycamore tree and it was just so bright you know just a beautiful Beautiful brightness. And yesterday, you know, there were some Santa Ana winds kicking up the dust, and the air was just nasty with pollen and oh, um, made made people with allergies miserable. Um, so that's got something to do with it. Today, it's a nice, bright blue sky again. So um, Yeah, it's a beautiful feeling, day, which is not what we need exactly. We need a stormy. Uh, a beautiful day would be a very rainy rain. day. Yeah. yeah. So I've seen these moss out here these oak moths lately. Oh, okay. And I feel like they're attacking these trees, which are already kind of stressed out. You know, these oak trees have been stressed. And when these moths get in there, and the caterpillars and that whole life cycle, they're just like chewing chewing them up. Like, you talk about the whole system, like these effects, these knock-on effects of having drought go through, you know, the bark beetles take advantage of that. These moths, these oak moths, there's like... You know, it's yep. just, it's not good. It's like, we got to get that balance back, and to do that, it's going to take some rain. Yes. And, you know, during droughts, the orchards, the orchards always serve as wildlife corridors, but if definitely during a hard drought, the orchards serve 
not as a wildlife corridor, but as a wildlife sanctuary. And we definitely saw that after the Thomas fire. Um, that was in December. That We had so much wildlife in our orchards. We had bears living in there and bobcats and deer and lots of birds. And we noticed the birds. I know how many birds are in the orchard when we pick the fruit because there's bird crap all over the the fruit and we can't sell that fruit so we're throwing it away but um and we have one guy that worked for us for a long time reyes estrado and he wouldn't pick the oranges around a bird nest and i do remember one spring there were all these patches of pixies left in the upper parts of the trees and i said reyes you know why didn't you pick oh no no there's a um he would call them chupa flores a, a hummingbird nest up there and they'll dive bomb you to protect their nest. And oh, so yeah. he, he wouldn't go, and, hummingbirds. Yeah. go near those branches. They're scary and, little things because they get right up in your face. Yeah. If you're not wearing sunglasses, they, they yeah, right. poke your eye yeah. out. Yeah. Um, anyway, we do get lots of birds living in our orchards, which is a wonderful thing. So Yeah. Just the so- sound of them. Yeah. Know. Yeah. And now I, I often think of uh, Sergio Aragonas' poster because he called them little singing birds. And he said when he moved to Ojai, he really noticed the. The amount of uh, bird life here compared to yeah. he'd been living down in Los Angeles before, and we do we we're blessed with a lot of different animals and plants out there. So. Yeah, and I have a about a hundred crows that live nearby that I kind of keep an eye on, and they're characters. I mean, I, my dog, you know, just they're like sworn enemies, but they yes. don't. They just tease and taunt her. She'll go out on the patio and climb up on the chair so you can get closer to them and they'll hop down lower on the branches to taunt her oh crows are so smart yeah and then uh there's a you know i see them uh, mobbing the hawks like every time a hawk comes through it'll be like six or eight of them dive bombing that poor hawk and then you know it's like you were talking about dogs and bears well that's like crows and and uh hawks because they're like you know i could tear those crows apart with my talons but is it really worth the hassle and if i'm tearing this one up the other one's going to be pecking my eyes out so maybe i'll just move along and find some other hunting ground yeah yeah oh it's it's great fun if you get the time to spend five minutes just watching birds and you know why it's great yeah so um what else is going on anything interesting uh yeah i don't know what what's going to happen this summer um if it doesn't rain, Ojai is going to be a, just a kind of a dust bowl. Um, and with the pandemic going on, we're really not supposed to go anywhere. But um, I hope people are finding summer projects, lining things up to do here in the Ojai Valley. Um, and uh, don't start any fires. Goodness. I mean, and we're already back in fire risk. Oh, we're already in fire. We're never, we haven't never left really fire out of season. It, yeah. yeah. Well, um, I do remember the Thomas fire. I made the mistake of saying to a friend of mine who's a fire captain, it's like, oh, you know, oh, hi, uh, you know, because we have all the citrus orchards around and we it really helped protect us, which it did. But they were very quick to remind me that, especially out on the east end across from Bacali's, the fire came over Black Mountain and they had to mount a very vigorous, you know, defense there. And it was a friend of mine's house where they were staging, you know, some of the offensive or defensive effort against the fire. So it was like it could have taken the whole town out if it had to go oh, yeah. through that, that one area. But if, it does 
give us some sense of security to have the green belt around and how important that is. And I hope people recognize yeah. that agriculture isn't just, you know, charming and picturesque and, um, you know, those things of which it is in abundance. It's also a defensive perimeter against wildfire. Yes. And it's a safe zone to be in if things do really go up. You know, the Thomas fire we lucked out, it wasn't, it didn't get windy um, when it was going around the valley. The wind had died down like it had yeah. in 85. Well, it was windiest crazy on that first on night. Upper, yeah. Um, and, you know, the o- Upper Ojai Valley School lost a bunch of buildings. Upper Ojai and Ventura, of course, got slammed. Um, but having wet orchards around is is really a safety zone. And also the fact that farmers have access to water you know whether it be from wells or tanks um we often have access to both tractors machinery bulldozers water people um you know people were rallying um groups of farm laborers to dig lines around um homes as much as we could um we just lucked out if it, you know, 40 mile an hour wind and that fire had been coming down these slopes. It, it definitely could have blown embers right into town and taken out who knows what. Yeah. Um, so we were, we so were lucky. Be, be careful, people. It, I'm glad, I'm glad the amount of brush is reduced. Um, and I hope we can do control burns. Um, I know the counties and the Forest Service are working on some patchwork control burns. Um, please don't complain when they do yeah, that. I know. Um, it's it, like gets, so, uh, it gets controversial because nobody wants smoke blowing into their... But a whole their, lot better to have 40 acres of smoke and not that's, 2 million that's, acres of smoke and weeks of closures. Yeah. Well, controlled burns, you know, like the Shumash, uh, Julie Tumamite was telling me that they would you know, take yeah. out some small areas, and and so it allowed the annual grasses to to repopulate that area for their yeah. basket weaving. So they would manage. You know, fire management's an old old tool. Yeah, and you know, to, for those people out there that have bought property in the Ojai Valley, I mean, everyone wants to move here and buy five acres and have a goat and some chickens and live the Ojai life. You gotta be on your best you know, weed control management around your properties. Don't let those grasses build up. Yeah. Get two goats, not one. Yeah. And uh, do your weed whacking, do your fire clearance, and uh, and work with your neighbors to get that done because it's, it's just silly if, if you've got some tall grass and they've done their clearance, you're still going to lose the middle zone, that's the fences right. and you things. Know, so. Your neighbor's house is on fire. That's like, uh, you know, every yeah. man is a castle until uh, something like that happens. And then, yeah, yeah, we're all in it together. And, I, you know, one part of the Ojai Valley that I worry about is the area up behind uh, Daly Road, up behind Topatopa School. There oh, used like to Red be... Red Hill Road and yeah, below all shelf, that, shelf Road. Below Shelf Road. That used to be a big citrus belt, which has... And died off you know too, avocados yeah. but it used to have you know access to lots of water and uh it that's that's a worrisome spot i think people mm-hmm. that live along there really need to be aware you know it, it would in, in harm's way yeah it'd be nice to i've always thought now that um you know farming is not profitable like it once was especially if, if you're paying a mortgage um it'd be nice to have a 10 tree zone along 
the whole edge of the valley up there. Just keep it irrigated. Uh, yeah. It'd be and nice. also not just for fire, but erosion as well. Yes. Floods. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, a lot of people don't realize that night of the Montecito flood, we had quite a flood up by our um, packing house. We lost about two acres of trees, got yeah, buried January by mud. January 9th, 2018. It was just a three, just a month after the well. I think the Thomas fire was still going off. Yeah, there was still some stuff smoldering. We've got yeah, we got we gained um, three feet of topsoil across our orchard, which of course buried the graft line of a lot of trees and buried all the irrigation lines, and it was just a muddy mess. And um, that was a Matelha Canyon. It was the canyon just above our current packing house. Which that canyon doesn't have a a name. I call it the old packing house canyon because our my grandfather's original packing house that he built in 1960 was at the mouth of that canyon, and 1969 the whole packing house went down and the Ventura River down the, out to the ocean. And yeah. that it's amazing how much mud comes out of that canyon. And uh, if you look at the rainfall totals, you know, Matilha Dam versus the Robles it's, Diversion, you could get a third more rain. And in those little tiny canyons. mile stretch, yeah. Yeah, it just dumps, and those tight canyons are just well, falling apart. Well, I was very apart. disappointed to hike up Middle Fork of Matillaha because I love to fish, and that's good fishing up there. I mean, small trout, but they're plentiful, and it's just beautiful. You know, you got your pond turtle swimming and those ruddy ducks, and it's just like fern grottos and everything. It's so gorgeous. That whole area got scoured out from... Because yeah. it's like Montecito and uh, Upper Matilha Canyon. Basically, the the drainage between Montecito and Ojai is just a very narrow razor ridge. Yeah. So all that torrent of microburst or whatever it is, it rained like, you know, an inch in 20 minutes or something ridiculous. Yeah. It went down the backside of that mountain and just took out, you know, I mean, c- compared to the human tragedy of, Tilha, it's nothing. But just so you know, that whole area, the effects of that were much, were very wide felt. And it just, you know, all those beautiful swimming holes just got wiped out and scoured out. Now it's just like one small stream going through this where it used to be, you know, lots of beautiful aquamarine pools and swimming holes. and It'll come back. Just wait. We'll get a 10-inch rain and it'll all come back. Well, hopefully we'll get one uh, during Pixie Tangerine Month. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. So you can eat your pixies in the rain. Oh, that would be great. Six feet apart, though. Stay six yeah. feet apart when you eat your pixies. So yeah. I, I think it would be fun to have a a pixie event um, where everybody's standing six feet apart in town and having a pixie. Or doing so. something like a marching band formation and somebody can take a, do yeah. some filming it with a drone. Right. With pixies. Let's let's think about that. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll get uh, any listeners have any ideas for some way to mark the occasion in a yep. safe way. Let's do it. Definitely. All right. All right. Thanks, Emily. Anything else going on or you want to talk about? No. I don't think so. Just keep keep eating pixies and uh, wearing your mask, staying safe, and uh, look out for each other. Look out for each other, and we're looking for blooms on the pixie trees for 2022 keep keep at it yeah all right thanks emily thank I you appreciate you coming all right just thinking out loud it was great fun to catch up with emily who is a font of interesting ohi stories 
And I hope people take note of her message to get to know your neighbors because one day you might need them. I would argue that that day has already arrived. I know we have a lot of new residents fleeing from the pandemic, many of whom I believe have moved here for all the right reasons to get involved in our community and make it a friendlier, more neighborly place. In my 20 plus years in Ojai, I've seen a lot of people come and go. Most of those who went came to Ojai with their own notions of this place and lacked the curiosity and humility to meet us where we're at. They come here looking to recreate wherever it was that they came from without understanding the social web and fabric that has made Ojai such a generous, creative, and authentic place in the first place. If you were brand new to Ojai and really looking to get a view of the community, I can't recommend enough taking some time to walk around the farmer's market, observing the flow of people. It really gives you a glimpse into Ojai and all its human splendor. And don't forget to get some of that pixie tangerine juice. That's it for this episode of Ojai Talk of the Town. We'll keep an ear out for you.